0: Let me pray too before I begin. Heavenly Father, may your word dwell in us and bear much fruit for your glory. Amen. Well, this week we are beginning a five-week series which I've entitled Magnify. And I've entitled it Magnify because in Psalm 69 verse 30, David says, I will praise God's name in song and glorify, or actually magnify is probably the better translation, him with thanksgiving. Now when David says, I will magnify God with thanksgiving, he does not mean that he will make a small God look bigger than he actually is. That's not what he means. He means that he will make a big God begin to look as big as he really is. Now, to illustrate this idea, uh, someone else, John Piper, um, he he thinks about the two types of lens magnification because there are two types, aren't there? Microscopic and telescopic. Um, the one makes a small thing look bigger than it actually is, and the other makes a big thing begin to look as big as it really is. And his point is this: that we Christians are not called to be microscopes; we're called to be telescopes. That's why we exist, right? That's why you've been saved. As Peter says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And so once again, John Piper writes, the whole duty of the Christian can be summed up in this, feel, think and act in a way that will make God look as great as he really is. Be a telescope for the world of the infinite starry wealth of the glory of God. This is what it means for a Christian to magnify God. But friends, to magnify God, we first sort of, have to know him for who he is. We have to see him for who he is. We need to get a view of that infinite starry wealth of his glory. And that is what we're going to try and do over the next five weeks as we look through five different psalms. They're going to help us see how good God is and how great God is. And we're beginning this evening with Psalm 23. Now this psalm is... um, probably the most famous of the Psalms, definitely the most famous of the Psalms, probably the most famous poem in all of human literature, not just in the Bible, but all of human literature. Its words roll off the tongue of anyone who has had any sort of cultural exposure to Christianity. And yet one of the problems with Psalm 22 is exactly that. It can become overly familiar. Meaning that we we shower in it, instead of bathing in it. And what I mean by that is that we use it to sort of rinse off instead of taking our time to soak in its depth. And so today we're going to to bathe in it. As the subtitle suggests, this psalm was... um, originally composed by King David. We actually don't know when he wrote it. We don't even know by what circumstances or in what circumstances he wrote it. But he clearly wrote it when he was feeling completely overwhelmed by life. Making this perhaps a good psalm to start 2022 with. He describes something of what he might have been feeling like in Psalm 22, so in the preceding psalm. In the preceding psalm, he writes, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer, but at night, but I find no rest. Now, the psalms, the way the psalms work, they don't necessarily follow one after the other. However, there is a logic to them And I think it is significant that the cries of Psalm 22 precede Psalm 23 where David begins, the Lord is my shepherd. Now as you'll know, David was a shepherd before he was a king. Which means when David uses a shepherding metaphor, it's not like me using a car metaphor, okay? He actually knows what he's talking about. He knows what he's talking about. Shepherd is the most intimate metaphor used in the Psalms. You read through the Psalms, other powerful metaphors are used. You hear God described as king, deliverer, rock, shield. But those um, are comparatively distant and somewhat impersonal terms. Here we have shepherd and the shepherd lives with his flock. They are everything to him. And he is everything to them. And this is a thought that gives David comfort in his time of need, that God himself is his shepherd. And as shepherd, he will provide for David and protect him, just like he'd done, by the way, for others and for the nation since the very beginning. Now these, these verses here, there's only six of them. Verses 2 and 3... Verses 2 and 3 are actually an echo of another song. Of another song sung by Moses and the Israelites on the edge of the Red Sea. And there in Exodus 15, they sing, In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. Actually, that, that word their holy dwelling, can be translated pasture. It's an echo of this song in Exodus 15. And that is, what God has done gives confidence to David as to what he will do. And the picture painted here is one of provision, isn't it? It's one of provision. It's one of protection. And as to why he will do it, well, we're told in verse 3 that he'll do it for his name's sake. Sort of sounds like the message to Ezekiel, doesn't it? For the sake of my holy name. David knows that God will fulfill his promises to Abraham and his descendants, including him, because at the end of the day, he will uphold his reputation. But verse 4 makes clear, doesn't it, that the path to the green pastures in Psalm 23 is actually the road to suffering. King David must walk through the darkest valley, it says, or the valley of the shadow of death. And the type of valley in view here is not a green grassy valley but a dark rocky valley where one could easily be ambushed and left for dead. And it it captures the fears that we all have ultimately of death itself. That's why this psalm is so precious to those who are themselves dying. Um, a very faithful uh, elderly lady passed away on a morning service uh, about a month ago now Daryl Lomax and she was a faithful attender here for many years before she could no longer come because of health and the last time I sat with her before she passed away this is the psalm she wanted read I read it she recited it from memory she recited it from memory It's why this psalm is so often picked for funerals. I may preach it at yours. But, friends, it is a psalm for the dead, yes, but also for the living. Because actually the language here suggests that it applies more generally, not just to the valley in which we may picture death in, but to just suffering in general. And so about half of the Old Testament occurrences of that word that is translated darkest come from the book of Job. And so it speaks of times of spiritual despair and spiritual depression. And we've all been there. Some of us might be there right now. gets a little obscured in our English translations, but at the very centre of this psalm, at the structural centre of this psalm are the words, you are with me. And for David, these words affirmed God's presence and relationship in the midst of it all. There were shepherds who neglected their flock. Uh, Think Ezekiel 34, right? That was the message of Ezekiel 34. There were shepherds who neglected their flock. Shame on them. But God is not one of those shepherds. He'll provide for his sheep. He'll protect his flock. And above all, actually be present with them. Well, as we read on, Psalm 23 is known for its shepherding scene, isn't it? But actually there is a change of scene. There's a change of scene and it happens in verses 5 and 6. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now we're on to tables. You anoint my head with oil, my cup, runs over, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You see how the shepherd, the shepherd has become the host. See that? There's a change of scene, there's a change of role. Because the goal of this drama is actually, ultimately, fellowship with God himself. Now when David writes, I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever, he probably meant for as long as he lived, okay? He probably wasn't thinking uh, of heaven in the same way that you and I do. However, that is how we read it, isn't it? And you know what? So it should. Because we live on this side of Jesus. We live on this side of his death. We live on this side of his resurrection. You see, while Psalm 23 is an authentic expression of David's experience and faith, It is an authentic expression of Jesus' experience and faith too. See, these words would have resonated with Jesus just like those words at the beginning of Psalm 22 did while he hung there on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, Jesus himself was once the sheep of Psalm 23 before he was the shepherd of Psalm 23. He was the Lamb of God before he was the Good Shepherd which means he's the only shepherd, friends, who who knows what it's like to be a sheep. He understands what you're going through. For he's gone before us, into, and through, the deepest and darkest valley. And when we ourselves enter that valley and finally when we enter the darkness of death itself, we do so as a people who are following Jesus, who promises to be with us every step of the way, even through death itself. When all other guides, by the way, turn back, not Jesus, As you'll know, Jesus says in John, I am the good shepherd. But he will go on to say this. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house, there are many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me so that you may also be where I am you know the way to the place I am going. The Lord Jesus himself, he was the sheep. He is the shepherd. And he will be the host of Psalm 23. That's why this psalm is so precious to Christians. But I think at this stage of the year, I want to ask you, can you honestly say that the Lord is my shepherd? This psalm is intensely personal. It is full of I's and my's and me's. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths. For you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. This is, can you honestly say that the Lord is my shepherd? Because there are really only two ways to live. Either Jesus is your shepherd or he is not. And if he is not, then your Psalm 23 sounds very different. In fact, it might sound something like this. I'm on my own. No one looks out for me or protects me. I experience a continual sense of need. Nothing's quite right. I'm always restless, measly frustrated and often disappointed. It's a jungle, I feel overwhelmed. It's a desert, I feel thirsty. My soul feels broken, twisted and stuck. I can't fix myself. I stumble down some dark paths. Still I insist I want to do what I want, when I want, how I want. But life's confusing. Why don't things ever really work out? I'm haunted by emptiness and futility, shadows of death. I fear the big hurt and the final loss. Death is waiting for me at the end of every road, but I'd rather not think about it. I spend my life protecting myself. Bad things can happen. I find no lasting comfort. I'm alone facing everything that could hurt me. I mean, are my friends really my friends? Other people use me for their own ends, I can't really trust anyone. No one has my back. No one is really for me except me. And I'm so much all about me sometimes, it's sickening. I belong to no one except for myself. My cup is never quite full enough. I'm left empty. Disappointment follows me all the days of my life. Will I just be obliterated into nothingness? Will I be alone forever? Homeless, free falling, free falling into void. Sartre said, Hell is other people. I have to add, hell is also myself. It's living death, and then I die. And left to ourselves, we we go astray. Each of us turns to our own way. But, friends, if you can say that the Lord is my shepherd, if you put your trust in him, though we may err into this sort of thinking from time to time, in God our Father and the Lord Jesus himself, we have a shepherd who promises to keep us even through the darkest valleys. After Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, He'll go on to say of his sheep, no one can snatch him out of my hand. And then, no one can snatch him out of my father's hand. There's a story about a Sunday school teacher who decided to have her young class memorize Psalm 23. And uh, they'd be given a month to learn it and then they'd be given the chance to recite it in front of the whole church. Now there's one little boy who was very excited and he tried as hard as he possibly could. But try as he might, he just couldn't remember the psalm. He practiced. And he practiced. But could barely get past the first line. And so on the day that the, the kids were to recite Psalm 23, the little boy was very nervous, but it was his turn. He stepped up to the microphone and said proudly, The Lord is my shepherd. And that is all I need to know. See, this psalm doesn't actually contain any plea. It doesn't contain, certainly doesn't contain an imperative. Do this, don't do that. It's simply a psalm of trust. And friends, I want to say that In 2022, when perhaps we don't know what to pray for, sometimes I don't know what to pray for. It's too confusing. There are too many hurts. Sometimes when we don't know what to pray for, well, we can express and pray our trust, can't we? And that's what this psalm is. Psalm of trust in the Lord. I know that your darkest valleys will look different this year, perhaps, than they did last year. They look different to the person sitting next to you. However, this, this psalm applies to us all, friends. So long as you can call the Lord is my shepherd, this psalm applies to you. And we're going to close by reflecting on Psalm 23, bathing in Psalm 23, by listening to a song. This song was only recently released, didn't give our musicians time enough to learn it. It's called The Night Song by City of Light. And its chorus reads, all this day, your hand has held me, the God of heaven by my side. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. You will hold me through the night. So just uh, reflect on the, the truths of Psalm 23 as you listen and take in this beautiful song of trust, and then we will close in by singing together.